Welcome to Lexio Divina. The full prayer is about 30 minutes. For a prayer experience that's closer to 20, you're invited to end after the gong sounds twice in a row. We begin by taking a moment to bring ourselves fully present into the space, letting go of everything that has happened so far in the day. We become quiet and offer ourselves to God. As we become present, we take a deep breath, notice the breath, and God in the breath, reminding ourselves that God is always as close to us as our breath, remembering that any time we feel lost, we can always come back to the breath and the presence of God in the breath. We begin with the movement of Lexio, or reading. This is the time where we become acquainted with the word. We listen to the passage twice, first just being present with the word, and then listening more deeply. As we listen to the word for the first time, we are encouraged to listen as if we had never heard these words before. We can imagine the words of the passage washing over us and falling upon us like a gentle rain. We don't have to do anything special, just be with the word in this moment. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together, and to live together. I often boast about you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with consolation. I am overjoyed in all our affliction. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was consoled about you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly. Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, 
but because your grief led to repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So, although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God. In this we find comfort. In addition to our own consolation, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind has been set at rest by all of you. For I have been somewhat boastful about you to him. I was not disgraced, but just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting to Titus has proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of all of you, and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. As we listen to the reading for the second time, we notice if there is a word, phrase, or image that speaks to our heart. Sometimes our attention is drawn to words of comfort and sometimes to words of challenge. They are both a gift and we are encouraged not to judge and merely to notice. During the silence, we are invited to take in the word by gently reciting the word or phrase that has captured our attention over and over, or keeping our attention focused on the image. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I often boast about you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with consolation. I am overjoyed in all our affliction. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was consoled about you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly." Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, 
What punishment? At every point you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So, although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God. In this we find comfort. In addition to our own consolation, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind has been set at rest by all of you. For I have been somewhat boastful about you to him. I was not disgraced, but just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting to Titus has proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of all of you, and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. As we read the passage a third time, we come into the movement of meditatio, meditation or reflection. This is the time to sit with the Word and allow the Word to come alive in our present lived experience. We, again, listen for the word, phrase, or image that draws our attention this time noticing where the word connects with us in our life. Is there something in our everyday reality that is touched by the word? Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together, and to live together. I often boast about you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with consolation. I am overjoyed in all our affliction. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us by the arrival of Titus, 
and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was consoled about you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly. Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So, although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God. In this we find comfort." In addition to our own consolation, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind has been set at rest by all of you. For I have been somewhat boastful about you to him. I was not disgraced, but just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting to Titus has proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of all of you, and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling." I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you.
As we listen to the passage a fourth time, we come into the movement of oratio, or prayer, where the heart responds to God. Again, we listen for the word, phrase, or image that draws our attention, and we notice, is there a prayer that begins to pray inside of us? Is it a prayer of thanksgiving? Is it a prayer of lament? Whatever the prayer, we allow it to occur. We are encouraged to have a conversation with God and listen to see if we are being called to a particular action, feeling, or way of being. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I often boast about you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with consolation. I am overjoyed in all our affliction. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was consoled about you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly." Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So, although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God. In this we find comfort. In addition to our own consolation, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind has been set at rest by all of you. For I have been somewhat boastful about you to him. I was not disgraced, but just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting to Titus has proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of all of you, and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you.
As we listen to the passage for the final time, we come into the movement of contemplatio, or contemplation, which can be thought of as union with life. It is a time to deeply receive God's word and enjoy the benefits of the prayer. We allow the word to soak into us and rest in God's loving presence. Just as we rested in stillness with God at the beginning, we also rest with God at the close. We are encouraged to give ourselves some time to wait and be still before we re-enter life as usual. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I often boast about you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with consolation. I am overjoyed in all our affliction. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted in every way, disputes without and fears within. But God, who consoles the downcast, consoled us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was consoled about you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that I grieved you with that letter, though only briefly. Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance, for you felt a godly grief, so that you were not harmed in any way by us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret, but worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves guiltless in the matter. So, although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who was wronged, but in order that your zeal for us might be made known to you before God. In this we find comfort. In addition to our own consolation, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his mind has been set at rest by all of you. For I have been somewhat boastful about you to him. I was not disgraced, but just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting to Titus has proved true as well. And his heart goes out all the more to you, as he remembers the obedience of all of you, and how you welcomed him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you.
We have come to the end of today's Lexio. Thank you for joining today's practice, and may you go in peace to love and serve the Lord.